El primero de mayo. <laughs> before we talk about the finals, before we talk about the Atlanta Hawks and the ending of their season with the beleaguered Trey Young, who gave everything he had in that series, but it wasn't enough, even without Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think we have to start with the news that broke. I believe it was on Sunday, although I saw you post about it yesterday up on Instagram. The situation going on around the four-letter network ESPN with Rachel Nichols and Maria Taylor. I'm just curious to get your thoughts. And for those of you who don't know, there was a recording last year during the bubble of Rachel Nichols talking to, I believe, one of LeBron James's advisors off camera, but the camera was still recording. And somebody went back, found the recording of what Rachel Nichols said about ESPN and diversity and Maria Taylor trying to kind of come for her spot in terms of hosting and, and doing things on ESPN. I saw you post about it, so I was really curious to get your thoughts on the whole situation, what Rachel Nichols had to say, and just Maria Taylor and the whole ESPN thing in general. Well, to keep things a little light instead of getting really heavy into it, uh, she should know better, right? Like we all know, especially you in the broadcast industry, hot mics are a very dangerous thing. Uh, she fell felt privy to the number one rule of, you know, be wary of the hot mic. And she said some things that were disparaging. She said some things that goes against what she has said publicly and what she has posted on her social media publicly. And it all falls back into, can we believe what people say when they say things like this behind the scenes? So as much as we want to strive and not like things are progressing and we're moving forward and Things look good from a optic level, from a surface level. More times than not, we get this type of thing from behind the scenes that shows you just how far we have yet to go. Yeah, and it is still a long way between um, between everything that's that's been going on in the worlds and and whatnot. And um, yeah, it's 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 just a, an odd situation. And if and as of right now, there's nobody. Neither have been fired. I know Maria Taylor's contract is up. I think sometime at the end of July here. And so when the smoke kind of clears from all this, I know Rachel Nichols was on the jump and publicly apologized in in the whole thing yesterday. Is that enough for her to keep her job in the cancel culture that we live in? Um, And, you know, obviously what she said wasn't great. And and then, you know, in terms of what happens next for for Maria Taylor. Well, two things. I think when you look at what Rachel did yesterday, she did what she had to do to keep Mm -hmm. her job. Yep. I don't think the full of the network, I don't think Disney can go out there and let her go. Uh, she is still a known commodity, uh, no matter what you or myself or even Jalen Rose's daughter yeah. might think of her acumen as a reporter. Uh, she has name recognition in this industry. So for Disney to let her go because of that would be looked, looked at soft. Maria Taylor, however, I mean, this is a contract year. So much like we've seen players go crazy and play insane and, you know, cash out. If I'm Maria Taylor, I'm treating these NBA finals like, you know, this is my chance to cash out. And whether it's with Disney or with another competitor, this is her chance to really make her mark and use the cachet of, you know, uh, Rachel Nichols slipping up behind a hot mic and try to cash out on top of that. So it's it's a good opportunity to see how she handles this. She can act like it didn't happen. She's kind of insinuated on social media that she's not dumb. She's very aware of what's going on. So there might be some subliminals on the broadcast. I mean, I'm sure 
the powers that be will talk to her so that they won't be that. But if you know how Maria gives it up, she's not one to back down or not one to shy away from the from the controversial thing. So it'll be interesting to see how she handled this, but I can't see Rachel Nichols going anywhere. She's very connected. She has people in high places looking out for her in her family and, and friends of family. So I doubt, sincerely doubt anything significant will happen to her. Again, Sam Dusenberry Jr., our guest here on The Word with G. And, and the high-powered people that you're talking about, specifically Diane Sawyer of ABC, probably her husband's stepmother, I believe it is. Yes, I believe it is yeah. a stepmother. So again, when when you have someone like that in your back pocket, and we know how legendary Diane Sawyer is in the ABC family, if you're directly connected to that person, I mean, it would take a lot more than what Rachel Nichols did on that hot mic to get her up out of there. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing is, I think a lot of people are pitting it as Maria versus Rachel. To me, it, it shouldn't be about them two specifically. It should be more about like, hey, look, how do we get more for specifically women into the industry? And it stinks that you got two women who are very good at what they do kind of in this public spat now because of something Rachel said behind the scenes, which, you know, again, she she shouldn't have said in general, but it just sounded like she was somebody who was frustrated and who didn't want to lose her job. Well, it, it kind of goes into living your truth, right? Mm-hmm. Like as someone who has been a token, and I use that term in the in the sense of how this is being used. I've been the token at many a media company. Yeah. I'm left to wonder sometimes, is it because I'm the token or is it because I'm better than who else was applying for the job? What you don't want is someone who you would like to think is your cohort, your colleague, maybe a mentor even to a certain degree basically calling your token status out and basically putting all of your credibility onto the fact of your, the color of your skin or the gender of your person. So, you know, from that perspective, I don't think Maria has done anything in this. It's basically Rachel got caught on tape telling her truth and she didn't want to be a upfront person about it and say it to Maria. So she said it behind the scenes to LeBron's PR advisor So it's not really, to me, it's being billed as a public spat, which is probably the media's fault. And that's something we oftentimes do with women in particular. But I think it's really just Rachel got caught on a hot mic telling her truth. And it involved another woman in this point. And at this point in time, it was a black woman. So there's a a bunch of additional layers on top of that. Sam Dusenberry Jr. Again, our guest here on The Word with G, host of the Sam D podcast. Last thing on this uh, that I wanted to bring up is that it's it's this whole situation has kind of seemed to create a divide. And my co-host and I talked about it on, on the podcast that we recorded this morning. And, you know, I think Woj and Jalen, obviously, and Jalen's daughter are kind of on that side of Maria. And then you have Richard Jefferson and you have uh, Perkins who, you know, came out and, and sort of publicly sided with Rachel Nichols in this whole thing. Is it how how do you think this whole thing ends up playing out between everybody at ESPN who covers the NBA? Because now it seems like there's a bit of a divide and maybe a bit of a, a rift between those who cover the NBA for ESPN. Nobody will care three weeks from now. And that's sadly how the news cycle works. I don't see this being a particular rift. Uh, Kendrick Perkins and Richard Jefferson 
said what they had to say to make sure that they're still employed by ESPN. Uh, Jalen Rose has a little bit more cachet. He has a little bit more power in that building. He can stand on his own and maybe go against the grain and speak his truth and not worry about job security. Uh, Perkins and Richard Jefferson don't have that same cachet. Rachel Nichols isn't going anywhere, in my, in my true opinion, unless something else comes out from a hot mic recording. And if I'm, if I'm someone behind the scenes at ESPN, I'm going through all those recordings to make sure there's nothing else that she slipped up and said on a hot mic because you know somebody on the inside is digging through the archives as we speak. So as it stands right now, but if nothing else comes out, I don't see anything happening. It's going to be business as usual. There's been beef on that set before when it was Bill Simmons and Magic Johnson and Will Bond. There's been, you know, uh, budding heads before. So I don't think anything's going to come of it as long as things stand right now. She's come out and apologized, even though to me it was your weak generic PR apology, but she said the words that needed to be said to pass over a surface apology. But in regards to impact moving forward post-finals, I don't think anyone will care two to three weeks from now. 423-648-1051 is the number if you want to jump in and join the conversation with myself and Sam Dusenberry Jr. We're going to step aside, though, and take a quick break. And when we return, we will talk a little bit about the Atlanta Hawks, the finishing up of their season, how it all ended, what can we take from the Hawks and the season that they had, which was a bit of a magical ride that I don't think a lot of Hawks fans really anticipated coming into this season. Nate McMillan will be back on a four-year deal. Sam's guy, Cam Reddish, played some meaningful minutes in those last couple of games that the Hawks had in that series against the Bucks. We'll talk about all that coming up next, and then in the final segment, we'll preview the NBA Finals. The Milwaukee Bucks versus the Phoenix Suns. Talk about all that and more. Stick with us right here on The Word with G on ESPN 105.1. The Zone, hit me up on Twitter at G underscore ESPN 105.1 or on the phone lines 423-648-1051. Be right back after this. Twenty-one past the hour of twelve o'clock. Greg Leonard here. You there? Happy to be back with you. Twelve until two. Rejoining us now is our guest for the hour. He usually comes your way on Wednesdays, but as I mentioned, I will not be here tomorrow. Got to have the epidural procedure for the back. Hopefully, get that right. So Sam was nice enough to join us here on a Tuesday before his big Zoom meetings for his day job. But he hosts the Sam D podcast. Sam Dusenberry Jr. is back with us. And uh, we were talking a lot about the Rachel Nichols and Maria Taylor, Taylor situation. And one of our favorite callers here on uh, The Word with G and ESPN Chattanooga, Edward, wanted to jump in and chime in about societal societal authentic, authenticity. Uh, Edward, what you got, man? Hey, hey, how you doing, G? Thank you for giving me the opportunity to uh, to speak to Mr. Dusenberry along with yourself. Uh, it's like I was uh, trying to uh, explain to you, and we would just be genuine with each other uh, and treat everybody the way that we want to be treated. And I know that's easily said and done sometimes because we all have our own uh, our personalities. But 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 if I understand that that's your personality, and you understand that that's my my personality, uh, I, I shouldn't have to give in. Uh, to 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 fit in, 
Uh, I, I just think that, uh, that the world is big enough for for us to, to, to treat people the way we want to be treated. But when it gets to the point where we can't uh, find a common ground like that, and, and whoever the person was with the live mouth, that, that, that was a case of sabotage. I, I recognize that in itself. And, and then it just shows up out of the clear. Uh, it just happens to show up. But things don't just happen to show up. They show up for a reason. And and, and we need to stop playing uh, politics with people's livelihood. I know uh, that politics is life and life is politics, but sometimes sometime we shouldn't uh, 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 allow that to, to, to manifest into the real world. Uh, uh, that's my take on that, and uh, I'm going to uh, hang up and let uh, you all continue your conversation. Thank you again, and welcome back, man. Thank you, Edward. Appreciate the phone call, brother. Always good to hear from you. So what do you think about what uh, what Edward's take is on the whole situation where we just kind of have to be nicer with each other and more genuine with each other and, and, and all of that? Well, first, I'd like to thank everyone for calling in. Um, it's always good to hear from, from new parts of the audience, and I love the fact that your show is growing. So just to salute to him for chiming in on the conversation. Uh, one thing for me, I think that the second word he said, the genuineness. And, you know, that's something that I preach a lot is, you know, live your truth, speak mm-hmm. your truth. Um, I've worked side by side with people that I feel are racist. I've worked with side by side with people that, I feel are homophobic. Uh, you know, I work side by side with people who I probably don't have the same politics as them, but it never stopped us from getting the job done. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the in the words of the late great Tupac Shakur, you don't have to lie to kick it. Meaning, you don't have to lie to me to be my friend. I don't need you to be my friend. We're here to do a job. We're here as colleagues, coworkers, what have you. We just need to do what needs to be done to get the job done. And then at, at the end of the day, at, at the end of our shift, you go your way, I go mine. Yeah. And I think a lot of the times we get uh, built into the system of work being family. And, you know, employers do that. This is not your work. This is sure. extended family. And, and that sounds great. That sounds cool. And in very few instances, sometimes it actually can be something akin to that. But more times than not, we're just people working together. We're just people that, you know, have a job. We have a commonality of work working in the same industry. And that's about it. And I think once we pierce that and pull back the curtain and just admit that, a lot of things can happen. Because if I can work side by side with someone who I know for a fact doesn't like people or doesn't like to be around people who have the same skin color as me, and I can coexist with that person for year upon year, I don't understand how, you know, Rachel Nichols, allegedly in this case, can't just admit that she feels a way about Maria Taylor's come up. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Just 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 say it, you know, you, you don't have to beat around the bush and just be upfront about it. Like you said, it is a very rare instance where you have a workplace where everybody gets along. And, you know, a couple of shows just jumped to my mind as you're talking about that, like The Office and um, Parks and Recreation, where you have all of these people that are all, you know, family and they're all friends. They all go out and do stuff together. That doesn't really happen a lot in the workplace. But you're, you're absolutely right that you just need to be able to work side by side with somebody despite, you know, your personal feelings for them or whatever it may be. It's more about, as you said, just getting the job 
done and doing your best job that you possibly can while you're trying to get that job done together. And then at the end of the day, you go your way, I go mine. And that's it. It, it really just comes down to that because, you know, I can tell you from, you know, obviously we started at, at WSAN together. Uh, I don't think it's a secret that that station is predominantly white male driven in terms of audience and people in the building, behind the scenes and on the microphone. So imagine me as a, as a young black man from Southside Jamaica, Queens, walking into those buildings mm -hmm. and sitting in those control rooms and the conversations that were happening when I was around and pretty sure when I wasn't around. So, you know, those are things you just have to deal with. I don't need to be your friend. I don't need to be your, your best bud. We don't have to go to the bar drinking after work. We're here for a shift. We clock in, we clock out. That's it. Now, obviously, being able to hang out with you, we actually became actual friends. But that wasn't a given. No. We had to hang out. We had to have a rapport. We had to have instances of hanging out together or just working side by side to establish that relationship and that kinship. And it grew from there. But that's not guaranteed for every single person you're going to work with. So, you know, I think it's just we, we see shows like Office, like Parks and Rec, and we just we want to incorporate that into our real life. But sometimes we just need to realize those that's entertainment, that's a sitcom, that's not reality. That's a show. Yeah, exactly. And it, it doesn't always mirror reality. Sam Dusenberry Jr., again, our guest here on The Word with G. If you want to get in on this topic or if you want to talk about what we're going to talk about next or the NBA Finals, hit us up, 423-648-1051. Again, 423 Six four eight one zero five one. Sam, let's talk about the Atlanta Hawks now. And it, things were looking good after game one. They got the victory in Milwaukee, and then they get blown out in game two after everybody was giving the, all the bouquets to the Hawks. And, oh, man, look at this. They look so good. And they were able to take care of the Bucks. The Bucks can't match up with Trey Young. And then they come out and torch the Hawks in game two. Trey Young gets hurt, I believe, in game three. And then Giannis goes down as well, and now the, the the Bucks win Game Three, and then Game Four the Hawks come back and win. But then the last two games of the series were too much uh, for the uh, for the Hawks to overcome. So when you look back on this Hawks season, what is something that stands out to you the most? And then we'll get into the series with the Milwaukee Bucks. Well, you know we've spent a lot of time during this season figuring out what is Trey Young. Is he an A player? Is he a B player? Is he a true number one option on a title contending team? Now, a team that makes the conference finals and gets within two wins of making the NBA finals, you have to assume that the best player on that team is an A player. I still don't know. I, I, I think what Trey Young was able to show you is that he can take over a series he can take over games. He can close out games. But when it comes to upper echelon talent, when he's going up against upper echelon defenses, can he do it? Can he withstand? And yes, his injury was a freak injury, landing on the rest foot and twisting the ankle. But did you see enough to make you think, okay, we just need to build around him? I still don't think he's that type of guy yet. I, I don't see it. I know. So what else do you need to story. see from him? I needed to see the killer instinct. That to me is when you become a true one. 
I've seen them hit big threes. I've seen them hit dagger threes against the Knicks and the Sixers. So I saw that, right? Mm -hmm. But when it comes to being a real killer, we've seen Isaiah Thomas on a bum leg drop 40-plus against the Lake Show in the finals. Yeah, they lost, but it was, a, it was a Herculean effort. We've seen Jordan with the flu game. We've seen Braun in the heat catching cramps. We've seen all the, you know, goat of goats, upper echelon guys play through injury. Now, I'm not saying he should have played. I don't know how severe the injury was. Obviously, he missed games, so it had to be severe to a certain extent. But part of me wishes or wonders or ponders if Trey Young goes out there, game was, you see, I heard game three, right? So game four, maybe even game five, which I think was the more, most pivotal game, the must win for the Hawks in that series if they were to actually going to pull that out and make it to the NBA Finals. I would have liked to have seen him try in game four or five and get out there and just see what he could do because to be the number one G, that means everyone else is placating to you. Off what you saw from Cam Reddish, off what we saw from Bogdanovich, off what we've seen, you know, earlier in the year and early in the playoffs from DeAndre Hunter. Do you think those three players are clearly inferior to Trey Young? I don't think so. So if you're going to build around Trey Young and make him the guy, then okay. But again, a lot of things had to break right for the Hawks to make it this far. So I'm a little concerned that they might just buy in and just say, all right, we're good. We'll just make a couple of tinkering. We'll just fill in a couple of role players, and then we'll be right back here next year. I'm saying pump the brakes a little bit. Don't be afraid to switch some things up, including Trey Young being your number one guy. Sam Dusenberry Jr. again, our guest here on The Word with G. You want to jump in? 423-648-1051. Let us know what you think, Hawks fans, about Trey Young. Is Can he be the number one option on this Hawks team moving forward? So now if it is not Trey Young, and again, you're still not convinced, I'm more convinced than I was during the regular season with this run through the NBA playoffs that he made with these with this Hawks team. What sort of piece do you think would be the right fit to go into that Hawks team to help make them a championship-level team? And maybe Trey Young is a 1B or a 1A or a 2 even. Well, I think the, the roster is, is there. I think the pieces are there when healthy because they're going to kill you with the sum of their parts. If you're believing in Trey Young as the guy, then you're not going to have a real number one, top five, top ten player as your number one guy, right? So if you're going to do that, they need to build and have a, a, the sum of, of the parts, the, the quality, the quantity has to be greater than, than the quality of the other team, right? They kind of have to be built like that Pistons team with Chauncey Billups and Ben Wallace that came up and beat the four Hall of Famers in the Lake Show for that one championship. You're going to have to build your team like that where Chauncey Billups was the, was the guy, but he wasn't like this outwardly top five, top ten player. Yeah. He was just the best player on that particular team. So if that's going to be the blueprint, then okay, then Trey Young's your Chauncey Billups. But then you had a rip. I think DeAndre Hunter could be that rip. Then you had a Tayshaun Prince. You know how I feel about Cam, Cam Reddish. I think Cam Reddish could be a better Tayshaun Prince. So, you know, you have your Rasheed. If they bring him back, John Collins could be that Rasheed. And then you have Ben Wallace, and Clint Capella is probably a bootleg 
I mean, on a good day, a bootleg Ben Wallace. So if that's how you're trying to build your team, then okay. I think the roster's there. But if there's any injury, as we saw during this playoff run, it's going to be hard to have guys off the bench that can come in and fill in those pieces. You're going to have Solomon Hill. You're going to have Tony Snell. You're not really going to have ready-made guys coming off the bench that can fill in for those types of players. So if they can remain healthy next year with a full 82-game season, yes, they could be in the mix for a top-four seed because that's what I thought they would be coming into this season. If healthy with Rondo, with Gallinari, with all that, all the acquisitions, I was like, look, this team should be good, but I don't know. And it turned out they ended up probably being close to where I thought they would, but they took a really weird route to get there. <laughs> they certainly but did. can they do it again? I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. They got Nate McMillan locked down, and yeah, they, they either have to continue with this nucleus and continue to hopefully grow, or maybe change. If you thing. had to upgrade this team, how how would you upgrade them? See, that's I mean that's a difficult question. I I I think what you mentioned about the depth, maybe they just need to get a little bit more depth because I thought you know when healthy, and we've got a call on hold, and we'll get to you in just a moment. That they had one of the deeper teams that we've seen in the playoffs because you can go Lou Williams off the bench when you need some points. You got Gallinari, who I thought had a really good postseason. A Kongwu came in and played some decent minutes at times. You get Cam Reddish back and healthy. Didn't even have DeAndre Hunter. You mentioned Solomon Hill. You dust him off a little bit from time to time. And that's that's a pretty solid bench group for a pretty good team. Now it's just, again, I don't know who's going to be a free agent. Who can you trade for? Do you want to move some of these young guys that are possibly a little bit banged up to try to get somebody else? There's a lot of question marks that Nate McMillan and the front office there in Atlanta are going to have to make the decision on. But I like, as you mentioned, the young nucleus that this team has. And I I think I have a little bit more faith in Trey Young than you do at this point going forward as a really good player because I saw him get pushed around, punched in the mouth, and he just took it and he got better when that happened. And people treated him like that and tried to throw him around like a ragdoll. He got better and he used that as motivation. So I'm higher on Trey Young being a really good piece within this within this team. I love the chemistry that they had and that they worked with in the postseason and to get where they wanted to go. They had their identity, and I think if if Trey Young doesn't get hurt, they pro- I I was confident that they were probably going to beat Milwaukee. Wow, I mean that that certainly it was close to happening. Mm-hmm. I mean for sure, and and that's why to me I look at the draw, the fact that they drew a, a fraudulent four seed in your Knicks. They went up against a flawed Philadelphia uh, 76er team, and then they were potentially facing a Giannis-less Milwaukee Buck team. So, you know, much like you, if you look in the West, the Suns had a, had a really yeah. easy draw to get to the finals, but nobody cares just because they just made it to the finals. The Hawks could have had a similar draw where in terms of a lot of things broke right in terms of seeding and, unfortunately, injuries that yeah. could have made it not necessarily a cakewalk, but could have made a significantly easier path to the NBA Finals than most. Sam Dusenberry Jr. again, our guest. Let's go to the phone lines now, 423-648-1051. What say you? Welcome into the show. What's up? Man, wild or Trey Young hatred. What's up, Kyle? Hey, well, good morning. Hatred or just happy, happy. assessment? Huh? Hatred or just real assessment? Still assessment? He said. Well, he said. Of, he said. Fakeness or real assessment? Oh, a real assessment. Look, 
everybody, okay, anybody who watches something like this has to know at some point, okay, Cinderella, uh, the whole Cinderella thing is going to turn back into a pumpkin. All right? So you, you got a situation where you, you're riding higher than what you actually are. And you wake up and you're 60,000 feet altitude. And all of a sudden, it's like the coyote being 100 feet past the cliff chasing the roadrunner. And he realizes, oh, man, I'm way up here. I ain't got nowhere to go but down. And they crash. But to say that they they never got there, I mean, that, that that's basically, uh, I hate to tell you, Sam, but from from my end of the microphone, it sounds like you're saying that the young man never got him there. And he did get him there. And that's the reality of the situation. And he's young, okay? He's 20, how old is he, 22? 22 years old? Has any 22-year-old ever done what, well, I guess Magic Johnson managed to do it. Of course, he had a veteran team that had been around for about 50 years of total experience in the playoffs. But when you look at what Trey Young did, what was the total amount of playoff experience that these guys had? And he didn't just do it like one game. He had to do it over and over and over to the Knicks. He had to do it over and over and over to Philadelphia. And he he managed to do it once. To he managed to whack Milwaukee once and make them look really bad. But I mean, the fact is that there was no doubt who had the more talent, his team or Milwaukee's team. I, I I can't say. I just don't see how you can, you know. How, I would I couldn't look at this guy and say he's not worth building around. I, I just is, can't is Trey Young a top the, ten player? Do what? Is Trey Young a top ten player? Uh, yeah, I think I think he's got top ten written all over his future. I think he put he put himself in the I'm, top I'm not talking 10 about the future with, right now. Is he a top ten player right now? Yeah, because he put himself there. Sam, wake up! Look, look at look at the situation. Quit living in yesterday. LeBron James is no longer the king. Okay, the king has the right, king has, has a problem. So players, players get old. Players begin to begin to degrade. I, I'll tell you this: you think Trey, you think you think James Harden's better than Trey Young right now? He's not. Yeah. Okay. It's time to start changing the guard here. It's time to start running out. You know, let's let's start recycling and getting some new blood in here. I'll put it like this: Trey Young didn't have nearly the talent around him that Canna uh, Poo Poo had around him. Or or that or that Beeb had around him, and he still did what he did. So he has to have something about him that's worth looking at and going, "Oh yeah, this kid is worth building a future on." He's twenty two. I mean, you know, think about it. He's going to be twenty three next year, then twenty four the year after that, then twenty five three years from now. You see where I'm coming from? That's why you look at trajectory. You you can either look at the future or you can look at the past. Go ahead, Sam. What did you say there, Kyle? I'm just going to put you on hold for a quick sec so Sam can get his his thought in. I I see the future three, four, five years from now with Trey Young still being sub six foot and still being the defensive liability. 
So as great as those logo threes look, as great as the floaters look, and as great as he can, you know, learn to master even more the pick and roll game, he can also be hunted on defense. And if you look at the fact that he's a bootleg Steph Curry, that's fine. But you saw what the Warriors had to do to make Steph Curry be the guy. They had to go get a Clay. They had to go get an Eagle Dollar and a Sean Livingston and a Draymond Green and an Andrew Bogut. They had to build around him to hide his deficiencies. If the Hawks do that, then that's a different conversation. But as they're constituted now, if you're just taking Trey Young as your best player and think that's enough, then we're watching two different games of basketball. Sam Dusenberry Jr., again, our guest here on The Word with G. Last thought on this point on Trey Young, Sam, and then we'll uh, move to the NBA Finals in our next segment. If you had to start a franchise right now, would you start it with Trey Young, Luka Doncic, or Donovan Mitchell? Yikes. All three have holes in their game. Uh, I don't want Trey. So Trey, to me, is, is the least uh, effective least? out of those three. Wow, okay. Um, Luka is a ball hog. His usage rate is through the roof. He doesn't want to get anyone else involved. I think I'm going to have to go by the process of elimination and just go with Donovan Mitchell. Wow, I think I could do spider. more with crafting my team with Donovan Mitchell than those other two. Well, it's my thing is, and we had this conversation two Fridays ago on the Feel Good Friday show with myself, Chase, and, and Miggy, and we, I think we're all in agreement that we would take Luka first, Trey second, and Donovan third, actually. Um, I know you're, what you're saying a about the usage. A lot of Luka hype. A lot of Luka hype, I know. I know what you're saying about the usage and the, and the ball hawkness and whatnot, but, I mean, I just feel like those those Dallas teams, he just he doesn't have a lot of talent around him that he fully trusts and believes in to share the basketball with. Their best option is always seems to be him going God, to the bucket. But, but if you're told you're a basketball god at the age of 19, who can you trust? Better so players than, than they have on was, Dallas. Was, I was just going to say better players than they have on Dallas. I mean, Dallas to me, look, they got KP and he's shown a lot of inconsistency. Tim Hardaway Jr. is the definition of inconsistent. Dorian Finney-Smith. Is, is Porzingis really inconsistent? Is, is, Kleba, this is a guy with your Knicks who was a, a potential all-star player who was top 10 in usage rate. The Knicks trusted him and he put up buckets. And he goes to Dallas, and he's not even – he's a distant second option. He's not even like a true second option. He's a distant second option. So is Porzingis really inconsistent because of his ability or because the guy who's the number one option is so far and away the number one option that he doesn't want to involve anyone else that could be somewhat as talented as him? I think there's there's truth to both sides of that coin in terms of Luka getting others involved and maybe KP – not being as efficient with his touches. And he just, he didn't, he seemed a little lost within that Dallas offense when Luka was running things. He didn't really know how and where to get his buckets. That's something that they're going to have to figure out moving forward. Seemed like a good pair on paper. Not so much when you put it into practice on the floor during game time. All right, we'll turn our attention to the NBA Finals. Final segment of hour number one with Sam Dusenberry Jr., host of the Sam D Podcast. Coming your way next, right here on The Word with G on ESPN 105.1 The Zone. Back with you on the Word with G here on ESPN 105.1 The Zone. Greg Leonard here, you there. Happy to have you on this Tuesday. 
midday sports talk radio journey as we're venturing till two o'clock. Rejoining us now is the host of the Sam D podcast, Sam Dusenberry Jr. Sam, before we get into the NBA finals, do you have any, uh, you have any 4th of July plans? Did you do anything on the 4th or the 5th with the day off yesterday? I was supposed to, but my since, since my immune system decided to laugh mm. at me the last couple of days, I was uh, playing the crib, just rehabbing, getting better. Uh, but yeah, I was supposed to go out to a uh, barbecue out here in Jersey. Uh, some friends of mine, some fellow podcasters of mine were getting together, and uh, we were supposed to make that happen. But I, I had to take a pass on it because uh, my immune system thought it would be funny to uh, make itself weak on July 4th of all days. So, no, I, I played the crib. Well, you had you had a good time on the vacation. I'm sure it was well worth it. Yes, yes. But I will say I will implore everyone, if you have supplements, take them with you. <laughs> I forgot my supplements and oh, said, ah, no. it's just two weeks. I'll be oh, okay. Oh, no. Oh, I learned the hard way. Oh. Not so much. All right, let's talk about the Bucks versus the Suns NBA Finals. Let's go quickly through it. Keys in your mind to this series on both sides. Well, the key is, is Giannis going to play? And there's a lot of talk about will Giannis sit the first game or the first two games and save himself for game three in Milwaukee. Uh, but if he doesn't play, he needs to go out there and take care of business. Devin Booker's been battling through injuries, but he's still the best player on the floor, even if Giannis Antetokounmpo was playing. Devin Booker is a top five player in this league, and this is his chance to show it. While everyone's going for the sentimental point fraud storyline, the real storyline should be this is Devin Booker's finals to win or lose. Um, Phoenix has to control the tempo. The Bucs like to get up and down and run. The Suns, because of the point fraud, are very methodical. Control the pace, control the tempo, be methodical in that pick-and-roll game. The Bucs need to get the ball and that's with Giannis grabbing rebounds. But if it's, Giannis, if it's not Giannis, then someone like Middleton or Drew Holiday needs to grab the board and push the rock. Get up and down, get as many possessions as possible, possibly, because the Suns' defense is not that great. It looks good at times on, on metrics on paper, but if you watch them, the defense is not that great. They can be scored upon. DeAndre Ayton cleans up a lot of the wings mistakes. So if I'm the Suns, control the tempo, let Devin Booker be Devin Booker. Let him be unstoppable. Let him be a top five player in the world. If I'm the Bucks, pray that Giannis is ready for game three and push the tempo as much as you can. Every possession, try to get at least 100 plus possessions every game. Now, how about some X factors on both sides? Guys that maybe we're not talking about that aren't the big names, aren't the Giannis's, aren't the Chris Middleton's, aren't the Drew Holiday's. Aren't the Devin Bookers, aren't the Chris Pauls that uh, not, not a lot of people are talking about that might make a big impact in this series? I think if you're the Bucks, you need Brooke Lopez. You need Brooke Lopez. This is his chance to shine. He's kind of been a forgotten big. Uh, he was a all, he's a former all-star. He's a guy that at one point in time was thought to be a franchise player. Brooke Lopez needs to be able to neutralize or at least hang with DeAndre Ayton. He has shown in the postseason, specifically in the last three that he can still bang in the paint a little bit. We need to see that Brooke Lopez, not the one that's floating out by the three-point line and doing all that stuff. We need Brooke on the block doing work, and I think that could be go towards a long way of neutralizing the defensive superiority of DeAndre Ayton. If you're looking at Phoenix, Mikael Bridges is a guy that is the, is the true definition of an X-factor. He could jump out the gym. He could shoot the shot. He's very streaky. 
and he runs the floor with the best of them. He's one of the few up-tempo transition players that the Suns have. So if the Kel Bridges can get out there and start catching alleys and getting the crowd fired up, it could be a long night for the Bucks. So I'm looking at Bridges for the Suns and Lopez for the Bucks as two guys that could step up and make their claim towards getting the Larry OB. Let me ask you this question about Brooke Lopez and DeAndre Ayton. You know, you mentioned you want to see Brooke Lopez go down and bang on the block, but he can step outside and stretch the floor a little bit for you. Do you think that would be advantageous at all to allow maybe more space for when Giannis is playing, if when he does, if and when he comes back, or whether it's Drew Holiday or whether it's Chris Middleton or whomever taking their defender off the dribble? Because as you alluded to, the Suns aren't a great defensive team. They can be had at certain places if you can get the right matchup defensively get by somebody, you take away that shot-blocking ability of DeAndre Ayton or that presence on the interior of DeAndre Ayton. If you pull Brook Lopez and you push him to the outside, then DeAndre Ayton's kind of got to go with him. Well, the only problem is you can't just swing the ball to Lopez in the, in the corner and then just everyone just run away. He gets those looks primarily in the flow of the offense. He gets it off a Drew drive or a Middleton iso and they come and double on the track. And that's, and that's what I'm saying. He gets those... So I don't think the Suns are going to do that. If I'm the Suns, you know, and again, I, I can't speak for Monty Williams, but if Giannis isn't there, I'm not doubling Chris Middleton for what? Let him go crazy. Because you know who's not going crazy if Chris Middleton's going crazy? Drew Holiday and, and Brooke Lopez and P.J. Tucker and all them other guys who need rhythm touches to get going. So if Giannis ain't playing, I'm not doubling Chris Middleton. Yeah, go ahead and put up 50 a night. Let me see you do that because you've never been dependent on to do that. So I don't know if Brook Lopez is going to get those open looks, you know, to, to pull Aiton out. I think Aiton is going to do what he normally does and just marinate in the paint and wait for somebody to come into the lane and for him to try to swat those shots away or at least alter them. But that's what so I, I don't know if Brook's going to get those. Looks. That's what I'm saying, though. If 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 Brook Lopez is on the uh, on the exterior and he's, you know, around the three-point line, it's not like DeAndre Ayton can just camp out in the lane. He's got to, you know, that'll be a defensive three seconds if he's up. not close. You can zone up. Mm. You could play the 2-3 and still have a wing. You could have a, a uh, boss man 99 out there watching Brooke while Ayton still marinates in the paint. They, they've, they've played some zone at times in the playoffs where they've done a 2-3 and a 3-2. So, I mean. Do you think they're going to go primarily to that? that. I don't know if they'll primarily go zone, but if Brooke Lopez gets hot, if he pulls Aiton away, to your point, I think Monty Williams will be smart enough to switch it up and say, all right, we'll just go zone because I don't need my best rim defender, you know, 15, 20, 30 feet away from the basket. All right, so when it's all said and done, last uh, minute or two here with you, Sam, give me uh, who you're taking in this series and why. The best player on the floor is Devin Booker. You know my adage, G, if I have the best player on the floor, I should win, no matter what. And I think because of that, because of Devin Booker and Devin Booker alone, because of his greatness as a primary scorer and as a decoy to open up things for the point fraud, I think the Phoenix Suns will take care of business and get the most asterisk of asterisks championship that we've seen in a very long time. Give me Phoenix, give me Devin Booker as your MVP. Between these two teams, Sam, only one player has any NBA Finals experience, and that was just a year ago. Jay Crowder got six games of experience with the Miami Heat against the Los Angeles Lakers. So 
there's experience across inexperience across the board with both of these teams and Sometimes they don't know any better. They just go out there and they just play the game of basketball. Don't have the experience to pull from. Just go out there and play the game. And yeah, Devin Booker is very, very explosive. Sam Dusenberry Jr. has been our guest. Who do you a, got? Let me hit a quick top of the hour ID and then I'll tell you. This is WALVFM Lakesite, ESPN 105.1 The Zone, a Brewer Media Group station powered by Action247.com. Well, you know me being a... Wisconsin guy with my Green Bay Packers. I I and I I would love to side with the Milwaukee Bucks because I'd really like to see Drew Holiday get an NBA championship, like get him a ring. I think he's one of the best two-way players in the NBA and one of the best guys in the NBA. Got a chance to see him on Josh Hart's podcast live uh, at some place in New Orleans when I went to that. That was pretty cool. It was good to hear his story a little bit and kind of get to know him a little bit more on a personal level just from what he was talking about sharing his experiences just being there in person. I'm rooting for the Milwaukee Bucks, but I think no Giannis is going to hurt. Again, you're not going to double Chris Middleton, like you said, and Devin Booker is that guy. Now, do I want to see the point fraud, as you call him, get a ring? No, I do not. But I like Devin Booker. I love his game. Love to see him blossoming. And also with DeAndre Ayton, too. I'm a big fan of DeAndre Ayton. He kind of brings a little old school back to the big man, as you and I have talked about plenty of times on this segment over the years. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go with the Suns, and I'm going to say in six. You know, the, this series has all the makings because of just who you mentioned real quick, and I know I know we, we've gone way long. That's okay. But, no, this is not like the, the, the going to the 2 o'clock hour. We can go a few minutes awesome. past 1 o'clock. Cool. So, you know, if, if you're looking at Devin Booker, obviously he's played through injuries, right? So in theory, defensively, the Bucks should match up well, even without Giannis. Right, because you say, all right, well, Drew Holiday, you got the point fraud. Okay, cool. You would like to think he should be able to neutralize, not stop, neutralize the point fraud, not go crazy like he did against the Clippers. Okay, now you got Chris Middleton, who's an upper echelon defender. You should now be able to guard Devin Booker. The problem is, we might need you to drop 40 plus a night to keep us in this game. So maybe we don't have you guard Devin Booker. So now who guards Devin Booker? You're going to put P.J. Tucker on Devin Booker? That's barbecue Low buys. Even, even with Booker playing through injury. So that's why Giannis not being there really hampers the defense of what the Bucks could employ, which has been there the whole kind of secret sauce the whole time. Is as much as we, we wanted to talk about Giannis, does he have a secondary move in his offensive game and you know, the lack thereof of certain aspects of it, and Middleton is he at number one, disguised as a number two, yada, yada, yada. The whole thing was they can play defense. They can lock you up. And you saw that in the last two games against the Hawks. They were able to neutralize once. I mean, Trey wasn't there, and then he tried to come out there in game six. But they were able to finally figure out the Rubik's Cube and neutralize what the Hawks did best. No Giannis, though. When you have wing guys like Booker, like the point fraud, and either you want to go deeper with Bridges, Bossman 99, and either Cam Johnson, it's going to take a lot more effort from Chris Middleton to get this done. And we've never seen that from Chris Middleton. So while on paper, you want to go with the point fraud, he's the sentimental story. You know how high I am on Devin Booker. This Bucks team was supposed to make it this far. This Bucs team was expected to make the NBA Finals. But to get here and to maybe not have Giannis for maybe not one but two games, 
it's really disheartening. It kind of kills the momentum of what's been a really exciting playoff run. Yeah, it certainly does. And as you're talking about and alluding to the the defense of the Milwaukee Bucks, they have the best defensive rating of any team in this NBA postseason so far. And hope that Giannis can get back and make this a little bit more of a fair fight and a little bit more of a series. Doubtful for game one tonight coming up, uh, but we'll see what happens moving forward. I heard Coach Bud on NBA Sirius XM Radio earlier today and was talking about how he's progressing nicely, but basically all but ruled him out tonight and kind of a we'll see moving forward. So that does not encourage a lot of confidence in my eyes from Coach Bud. Yeah, and, and it puts pressure on him because he's been killed for not making adjustments, right? Yeah. So the one thing that you know Giannis has done is it's made Drew Holiday be more aggressive. If he can do that the last two games against the Hawks, if he can bring that type of Drew into this NBA Finals, he might be the X factor because we're not expecting that Drew because Drew rarely gives us that Drew, right? So if he goes out there and goes crazy and is able to play defense on the point fraud and maybe even Devin Booker a little bit, maybe he shares duty. Maybe he alternates on who's hot. Maybe he's the cooler. Whoever gets hot between the point fraud and D book, just put Drew on him for a little bit and cool him off a little bit. If he's able to do all of that and still give you a 20 plus, with seven, eight dimes and hit the glass, five, six boards and push the tempo, as I mentioned in the last hour, he might be finals MVP. He might be one of those Andre Iguodala MVPs where he's not a marquee guy, but because of all the things that he can do and his ability, which we all know, we all know what Drew Holiday can be. He just teases us with him actually being that. This is his chance where go slow down the point fraud. Go slow down a top five player in the world like D-Book and still go get your 20-plus and still facilitate seven to nine dimes and five, six rebounds. Go do that and win this series in six, seven games. And I'll gladly give him the finals MVP. But it's going to take a Herculean effort like that to absolve Coach Bud of his lack of adjustment. Yeah, they're going to need that type of performance against Sam Dusenberry Jr., our guest here on The Word with G., out of Drew Holiday, and he's certainly capable of it. Like you said, when he wants to be aggressive, he can be an aggressive offensive player and a, and a pretty efficient offensive player as well. Before we get out of here, Sam, we got another call on the on the line, so let's take that real quick before we get you out of here. I know you got to get going by one thirty four two three six four eight one zero five one. Welcome into the show. What's up? What did Chris Paul ever do to you? <laughs> what, 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 what's his sin? You haven't you haven't heard why he calls him the point fraud. No, I, I can't wait to hear this story. Oh. Go ahead, Sam. For the 18th time, tell, tell us why you call him the point fraud. Okay, so the man y'all call CP3, the man y'all call Chris Paul, is a fraud as a point guard because of his movements as a human being. This man, if you go on to YouTube and just type in Chris Paul Dirty, you will see multiple compilations of 10-minute-plus videos of the point I've seen him hit somebody in the in the groin one time. Multiple times. You've seen years, it multiple times. And who knows who did what for him to do that. You've so seen him flop let's multiple get past times. That. Do what? You've seen him blow 3-1 leads multiple times. You've seen the point fraud do a lot of things that have been fraudulent. Oh, he, he went out with a shoulder injury and blew a 3-1 lead. 
He's blown multiple okay. 3-1 leads. He's, he's hit multiple men in their nether regions. He is a known flopper. He is a dirty player. And more of the Who in thing, the NBA don't he, flop? Who in the NBA don't flop? A lot of players Who don't flop. Who in the NBA does not flop? How you many have 10-minute copulations of flopping? How many have 10-minute copulation videos of flopping? Not Anyone who's LeBron, ever had more than 10 minutes Harden. of basketball put on him. James Harden ain't a flop. How Kevin Durant don't flop because he never gets the call. Kevin Durant's probably the only non-professional flopper in the NBA. If you want to respect a man who has been punching people in their nether regions since college, if not before that, then so wow. be it. But I can't respect if a I man wanna, playing basketball if I wanna do the what? way that I did growing up. I can't respect a man who plays the game of basketball in such a dirty fashion. If that's how you played basketball, that's how you played. That's not how I played. We didn't respect guys who uh, openly dude, played you, dirty you got so many messed up opinions. Yeah, I, I tell you what, bro. You got no credibility. None. Zero. Zero. Okay. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's a cool story. You want to love the point fraud? You want to love a man who circumvented as the leader of the MBPA, the Players Union, circumvented the players in the CBA for his own personal benefit? You want to applaud that man and give him all the flowers? Then you go ahead and do that. But we have different respect values. We have different credibility and look upon as who's really a man. The point fraud is a fraudulent man because of his actions on and off the court. But if you just want to believe the hype and believe the story, then you go on right ahead and do that. You know what that is, Sam? That is that New Orleans bias right there with all of these people that grew up watching the Pelicans and the Hornets or whatever it may be. They just have this affinity for Chris Paul. Well, here's the thing. All the main pieces from that team have all won championships except the point fraud. Until now, all he's probably going to get his you first. Get Tyson Chandler, Pedro Stoyakovich, David West, they've all gone on and won rings elsewhere except the one guy who everyone loves to talk about and loves to hype up as this, this floor general and this leader. So how come it's taken him this long? If he's this good, as everyone keeps saying he is, how has it taken him 16, 17 years just to make a final. How many 3-1 leads did he have to blow? How many nether regions did he have to kick and punch? How many flops did he need to do? How many coaches did he need to have fired? What's up, Monty? How many times did it need to happen? But no one wants to talk about that. How many young players did he screw in the last CBA by changing the rules to only affect him and to get him one last max contract, which is coming up this offseason because he's going to opt out and go get another $50 million from somewhere else. He extended the age of the CBA to only benefit himself. But this man is a floor general. This man is a leader of men. Are you going to believe the story or believe the facts? Because nothing I've said can be disputed. He did circumvent the CBA. He did blow multiple 3-1 leads. He is a coach killer. He is a dirty player. He is a notorious flopper. All those things are true. Everyone wants to talk about how I'm going too hard on the point fraud, but no one wants to dispute those facts. 
But believe in the storytelling. Believe in the vignettes that they're going to do in him in the NBA Finals. Believe the nonsense of him going out to Denver and catching COVID after winning the second round. He went running around Colorado doing Lord knows what and caught COVID. And we're still calling this man a leader of men, a floor general, a coach on the floor. And he went running around Denver, Colorado and put himself and his team's championship hopes at risk by catching COVID. But he's a leader. The leader of men, the point God, as still some will call him not the point fraud, as you've classically Named him. Uh, on Twitter, Tyke Gooden says, gee, bro, this is great. Love the back and forth about CP3. And before we go, since we're just kind of rolling here, do you have time to take one more call? Sure, let's go. Let's go. Hey, Welcome in- I'm jazzed up now. <laughs> Welcome into the word with G. What's going on? Hey, thanks for taking the call. Thanks for making it. What's going on? Hey, I'm, I'm no Chris Paul fan. I'm not from New Orleans. I don't pull for the Hornets. Uh, the, yeah, I'm not, I'm not pulling for the Pelicans or Hornets or whatever they were then. But, I mean, to point him out as some kind of major fraud when there's plenty and plenty of frauds out there. And, I mean, to, you know, is anybody blaming Kevin Durant for getting hurt in the finals when they lost to Toronto? Is anybody, you know, everybody, like the one guy said, nearly everybody flopped. Patrick Beverly with his his three-second delay flop. He was finals MVP two times. I mean, I understand. I understand that you hate Chris Paul. It's obvious it comes through. And that's fine. Everybody has their opinion. But if you think anybody wants to listen to this for an extended amount of time, I mean, okay, we get it. Commercial break, something, talking about something else. He's about to win the finals. I don't like him, but I ain't trying to listen to it like this. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the phone call. He said he don't like Chris Paul. He said that, right? He said he's not a Chris Paul fan, not a Pelican supporter, nothing. I don't understand how people who watch basketball the way that you and I and it seems like the people who are calling in, they all watch, we all watch basketball. I don't know. I, I know you played, G. Mm-hmm. If someone was being a notoriously dirty player and a, a notorious flopper and will do anything at all costs, none of us want to play against, against that guy. We I don't want to play don't with like him. I don't want to play against him. Correct. So I don't understand. Just because this guy has made it to the NBA with those traits and has become successful, I've never said he's trash as a player. I've always said, as a human being, the way that he moves on and off the court, to me, is fraudulent because he sells you the image with the State Farm commercials, with being the leader of the MBPA and acting like he's his holier-than-thou figure. He sells you an image that if you look at his moves on and off the basketball court, it doesn't add up. So that, to me, is a fraud. If I'm selling you a dream and I'm in the back scamming, am I a fraud or not? I'm moving fraudulently. That's clearly the definition of Mm -hmm. what a fraud is. Chris Paul has been selling people a dream for 16 seasons. When there's years from year one to year 16, he just tripped somebody in the Lakers series. In the first round, he was still tripping people. So it's not like he's had this, he's overcome the stigma. He's still doing the same thing. But we look past all that because of the State Farm commercials, because his kids are in the commercials, 
because he's doing documentaries on Netflix. We look past all the stuff. I choose not to. I take the good with the bad. Is he a Hall of Fame basketball player? Sure. But because of all this, his fraudulent, fraudulent ways, to me, it's highly debatable to put someone in the Hall of Fame who has gone so clearly against the annals of what basketball has been for the entirety of, of the sport that I have known and loved. Sam Dusenberry Jr., again, our guest here on The Word with G. One more phone call, and I promise this is going to be the last one before we have to take a break because we are way past the start of hour number two. But let's keep it rolling. Welcome into The Word with G. What's going on? Yeah, I'm, I'm like Kyle, man. I agree with Kyle, man. Uh, players always had antics, did uh, dirty things on the court. You know, we rarely, only people that talk about John Stockton, that it was a dirty player or more play, uh, players, uh, we rarely talk about uh, his antics. Um, hey, I always talk know, about John Stockton being dirty. We can say what we want, but I think uh, certain players at their height, they, they got to try to do what they got to do, man, to get an advantage. Um, I understand that you're on this hill about Chris Paul, but uh, hopefully uh, by the end of this series, man, that you'll be eating pro. Because I need, I need Paul to win this It'll title. It'll be Devin Booker's championship. To, to say that again? It'll be campaign's, it'll be campaign's championship. Yeah, not, Devin Booker's championship. Twitter, like I said, man, I, I don't know what you were smoking in Jamaica or wherever you wherever you hanging out. Campaign is not a better point guard than Chris Paul. Come on, man. Not, 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 they were undefeated not in the Western Conference Finals with him starting. They were undefeated. Okay, man. Uh, another thing, too, I, I agree with Kyle. Uh, Chris Paul, only, you can only say that he blew one, that he was part of a team that blew one 3 1 lead. And that was that team uh, against the uh, Rockets. I think that was back in 15, I think. I don't know what year, but he wasn't on, he wasn't even on the court uh, against the uh, warriors in the last two games so how can you really say that he blew two uh, excuse me he blew 3-1 leads when he wasn't even on the court to take the part to, uh, take part in that? why wasn't he on the court cuz he was hurt man point fraud i know Oh, come on, man. Hey, come, come on. The you, basketball so, gods. The basketball gods. Like I don't said, man, I know it's all funny people game. repeatedly in another reason. Stay with this narrative uh, to boost yourself up, but come on. We we know that Chris Paul is and a first You can keep applauding a fraud to make yourself feel better. Say that again? And you can keep applauding a fraud and cheering for a fraud to make yourself feel better. So let me ask you this. When, when Patrick Beverly pushed him, when he shoved him, you, you stood up and gave him a standing ovation for shoving him? I loved it. I said, finally. Yes, I said, finally. Wow. Finally, <laughs> someone is, is acting on the nonsense that they've seen. And if you saw DeMarcus Cousins call out, if you could read his lips, he echoed the same sentiment. So I'm not on this hill alone. This, this isn't a Revis Island type situation. There are plenty of people who are in and around the game of basketball that know that Chris Paul moves in a fraudulent way and is selling a false bill of goods to the public. Uh, let me ask you this. You, you mentioned uh, Zaire Thomas. I'm sure you're, you're, a bas- you're a basketball story, and I'm sure you're familiar with that play uh, back in the day when um, Carl Malone elbowed, just basically knocked yep. out Isaiah Thomas. Uh, why why you yep. haven't seen anything like that? I'm sure it has a lot to do with today's game, but why you haven't seen any players retaliate to that effect against Chris Paul, if they feel that he's such a dirty player, why you don't see that? Does it have anything well, to do the, with his? I mean, uh, you, you, you led with the answer. The player association. You led with the answer. The league will not tolerate any type of violence like that. We see flagrant twos. You know, guys getting ejected just for grazing the head. You think someone's going to have the gall to go split Chris Paul's head open, like Carl Malone did Zeke? 
Like that's just not going to happen. Like the league isn't violent. Not this, they not have, in this day know, and age. They have rest the, the 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 physicality out of the game. So you you led with the answer. Sam Duesenberry, man, it's been fun. I appreciate the uh, the time, the insight, and I'm glad we riled him up a little bit here with the uh, Chris Paul take. I know we mentioned it here on these airwaves on ESPN Chattanooga, but you really hadn't gotten an opportunity to really dive into it, so I'm glad that you got a chance to really dive into it, and maybe people will start to come around a, well, a little ways now that they start maybe paying attention to these finals and see what how he moves in a fraudulent way, specifically on the basketball court when this series begins tonight against the Milwaukee Bucks. Anytime I could come on here and, and you give me a chance to expand my platform and give me a chance to make my points, I appreciate it as always. And I appreciate all the smoke. I want all the smoke. I'm not Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson was that other name, G, based off the behind-the-scenes conversation we had. Uh, <laughs> I want all the smoke. Unlike them, I actually do want all the smoke. So bring it my way. I don't duck anything. Chris Paul is a fraud. He is the point fraud. And I'll take on all comers. Pause. Follow him on Twitter at the Sam D T H E E S A M D at the Sam D pod as well on Twitter. And um, yeah, just go to the Sam for all the great merch and all the great stuff, audio visual content that you put out there every single week, man. I always appreciate the time that we get a chance to spend with each other and talking some NBA basketball. Appreciate you. Thank you so much, brother. I'll highlight you.